Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Could we stand together? Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord. Why don't we just clap our hands one more time and tell the Lord that we are appreciative and thank him for all he's done. God is so good to us. I'm uh, Tonight, I'm going to be teaching in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at the book of Hosea. And I'm beginning a series tonight. I'm afraid to announce that because I don't want anyone to uh, be fearful. But we are, we've been a long time uh, in coming to uh, do an Old Testament study. And so we're going to uh, go through the 12 minor prophets. So it, it could take a long time, but we're not going to. We're going to do it in as short a time as possible. And so tonight we're going to introduce the minor prophets and then we're going to jump into the book of Hosea. And and so we will have already gotten into the first one. And then we may be able to cover uh, two or three at a time. Obadiah, for example, is only how many, just a few verses. And so we're going to do the all of the 12 minor prophets uh, over the next several months. Uh, on Wednesdays, we'll announce we're going to get back to it. And uh, so tonight, we're going to begin that. So everybody say, praise the Lord. The minor prophets. Now, you'll notice that underneath the, the title, this will be our subject. Although each week, we won't say we're studying the minor prophets. We'll say we're studying Hosea and so on. Uh, and so we'll study each of the books. And we're going to go through the... Uh, this will be the first time since I've been here that I have taught straight through a book of a Hebrew book of the Old Testament. I, I've, I've been wanting to do it and, and kind of held back, and a few folks have been stirring me up a little to I jump into the Old Testament and, and do some, some study. So we're going to do that beginning with the book of Hosea. Now, tonight I feel a little, uh, a little short-changed in that, we're not going to get very far into Hosea. We can't because basically we're just going to just barely get into Hosea. But if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, we're going to look at Hosea chapter 1 and then we will go back. Um, we'll let them go back to where we are. you trying to find it? Just uh, all right. I did number them. Uniquely because uh, I was, well, I felt to do that. So hopefully that's not mixing you up. But we'll, we want to go all the way back to the, the very first one. So let's read, if you would, Hosea chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Bariri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So this should, uh, that should have been a mouthful if you know who Jeroboam is and Joash and so on. These are, a this is a tremendous period of time in the Old Testament and the minor prophets span that period of time. And uh, so tonight we may, uh, we may find that there are things uh, in the minor prophets that we have never uh, spent time thinking about. And there are several things that I want to uh, do that I've never done from a pulpit. I've read it, studied it, and taught it in college, and so I never taught it from a pulpit. And, uh, and so it is with Hosea, and so it is with each of the minor prophets. There are many, many nuggets of truth that are found in the minor prophets that God could talk to us. And we want God to... Anybody want to hear from God as we study the word together? Can we just lift our hands and pray and ask the Lord to anoint our study? Father, right now, I thank you for it. I ask that you'll help us, Lord, those that have come tonight with a hunger to receive it. I pray that you'll help us. And Lord, as we uh, go forward into the, each of these uh, prophets, Lord, thank you for letting us see that these were great men. And we give you praise. Everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Now, you notice that beneath the minor prophets, it says, 
Let me pull this up. <clears throat> Nothing minor about them. It, it's an old English reference when you call things major and minor that you would uh, think of them as being less of a prophet. Uh, but, of course, th that is not the case. It simply was a way of saying that they were smaller books, and this was not unusual, not because they were any less of a prophet. And, of course, Hosea, in fact, each of the minor prophets, I have tremendous things to say, If we, especially when we capture them in the context of what they are prophesying about, which is what we're going to do. <clears throat> and so it is with Hosea. But if we were to look at, for example, if I were to ask someone, how many of you know two great facts from the prophet Nahum? I would get exactly the looks I just got. Or if I said, Zephaniah, what a great prophet. See, many of us would say, I can't think of anything that I know about. It's not, of course, the saint's fault. It's the fact that we hear so little about it. Uh, but in fact, there are many, many mighty things. And we're going to go to the next one. I'm going to try to, they're going to try to keep up with me. So it is that they're minor prophets, but a major mission. This, as this uh, uh, reference is here, uh, through all the times of history, how many knows that God never changes? Does anybody believe that God never changes? There's a group of people out there that say we don't need the Old Testament because the New Testament has superseded it. And uh, I won't name, it doesn't matter who they are. There's more than one group, actually, but there's a couple pretty good-sized Christian groups that say you, don't, you, don't, you should take the Old Testament out of your Bible, which, of course, would be historically crazy. But that's the kind of times that we live in. And, and the idea is that we don't need the Old Testament because it was for a different time and a different era. And, and we also have this theological notion in the world that, uh, that the God of the Old Testament was mean and harsh and he, was, he just really did horrible things. And the God of the New Testament, well, that's different. He's, he's loving. He stands at the door. His wrist is limp and he can barely knock on the door. That's, that's the notion that people have come up with about God. But how many knows that God's the same? He is the same. He has never changed, and he cannot change. And if I were to ask you which book of the Bible teaches us that he does not change, what would you say? You would say one of the minor prophets. And what was that prophet? <laughs> Malachi. Malachi teaches us, and that's the entire theme of the book, that God doesn't change. And therefore, you're going to have to repent. God's not going to do the repenting. You have to do the repenting. All right, so it is. So it's a major, uh, major mission that comes. Now, if you notice that I pulled the covers of a couple other, uh, I'm going to do this now. We're going to look at uh, themes in uh, the minor prophets from uh, major studies of other people books and so I would just pull the covers off and take a look so the one that's just beneath I mean I'm gonna have to use uh, we'll just use this where's the all right we'll use this <clears throat> all right so this is a this is from a cover you can barely see it because I shrunk it so small that and I wanted it to go underneath there I didn't want to cut his his tennis shoes off so th these are like chess pieces and so th this says I have to get closer. I can't see it. The major, what does that say? The major wisdom of the minor prophets, which I like. So we're going to look at different ways that people are approaching the minor prophets. Even though you can barely read it, could anybody in anybody, I mean, you don't, it's, you, you can admit it. Could anybody in this, could you, how about you younger folks over here that are laughing? Can you? Uh, can you read that line right there? Could you read it? I can read it, and I'm 62. Sister French, I know you can read it. Oh, I'm closer? <laughs> well, I knew there was something happening there. Okay, let's try this. Yeah, that's pretty bad. All right, so let's look at right here. So minor, see, so 
so we're, we're looking at ways in which people think the, the, the most common way of talking about the minor prophets is that they're actually major. All right. So almost every book you read about the minor prophets is going to say something like what we're looking at here, but not all of them. All right. And so we want to look at uh, themes from the minor prophets that are not uh, as as often thought of. And the first one, of course, is that they're 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 not just minor. They're they're mighty. And then th this one says major life lessons from the minor prophets. That's what that one says. So <clears throat> that one suggests that the, the minor prophets are actually giving us, well, if they're major life lessons, then why are we not hearing about them and so on? And so whatever the answer is, we're going to find that they're rich in lessons for Christian living and, and of course, also rich in lessons in the history of the Old Testament, which, which is interesting to me. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to introduce a little history lesson and many of you are going to go into a trance. The minute I show it to you, you're going to go, whoa. And then you're going to walk. Your mouth's going to open. You won't be able to close it. All right. But that's because I like this kind of thing. I, I like, uh, I love it. I, I love everything. If it's in the Bible, I love it. Every detail is, is thrilling to me. But I, I'm not going to try to purposely make it. Um, boring. I'm just simply telling you that so you won't be shocked. All right. So through all of time, God remains the same. God's purposes remain the same. That's why this fella looks like he's in uh, an ancient Hebrew. And this fella is uh, the same fella, basically, uh, in a modern day costume because he's uh, the, the, even though one is Jewish, the other is Christian, even though one is thousands of years before the other, God remains the same and his word remains the same. Isn't it a wonderful thing that he never changes, that he's working on our behalf and he remains the same at all times? Okay, now let's go to the next, let's go to the next slide. And this, you need to get your not passing out um, goggles on. Okay, now I want you to see the 12 prophets minor prophets who are actually major uh, in both their Bible order and historical order. Now, the first one is over here, all right? And so we'll start here. Where's the other little, what happened to the, the holy one? Does anyone know what happened to the holy one? Why, why do people, uh, oh, here it is. Um, okay, this one is a bigger, see, this is a bigger one. All right, so let's say them together, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Everybody say that, Hosea. Joel, Amos. Now, we're going to say all 12 together. Let's try. Everybody, um, close your Bible. And are you able to darken? The, well, it doesn't matter. They're, they're not. Okay. All right, everybody look at me. Let's try to say them together. Anybody think you can say them? Everybody try to say them. Here we go. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Nahum. And Malachi. All right. All right. Now, they're pretty much in historical order, except that they're slightly out of, if you were to say uh, which book came first, Hosea is actually the sixth prophet. He's actually number six. All right. So the point I'm making is that we want to know them in their order in the Bible, because what we're going to mainly be doing is finding it in the Bible. And then, of course, the number of years between them is not enough to be worried about. But if we look here, for example, once David died and Solomon died and, and uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam split the kingdom, the 10 tribes that went here, there were only Jonah, Nahum, Amos and Hosea that prophesied in the north. Now, they were, I mean, of the minor prophets. How many knows there's, there are other prophets? Like, name some other prophets. Elijah, uh, Jeremiah, yes. Okay, so there's other prophets. Lots of them. All right, but, but we're talking about these minor prophets. Now, <clears throat> these prophets are in the order. Now, I, I don't know if this helps. Sister French, tell me. Sister French, you can be honest with me, all right? No, don't tell me now because... I don't want to deal with her uh, feelings here right at the moment. But, I mean, afterwards, you can tell me. Now, I added, Sister French, I've added the color. I didn't make the chart. 
I got the historic. I've, I've got dozens of these. I picked one that was simple that you could see the names and the dates. So, for example, if you wanted to know when did Jonah prophesy, well, he prophesied beginning in 755. Is that what that says? Or from here, I can see that, 755. Now, the, the date's hard to see, but the name's a little easier. But how many notice that it's color-coded? That's what I added. See? See, I am the host. So I could add color. All right, so we knew that these prophets right here are the very first prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Now, they're out of order in on the chart because Joel began prophesying back in 835, and we don't get uh, Jonah over in Nineveh until uh, years later, and then, uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to the wrong one. I mean, and then Amos and Hosea are in the, in the 700s. So they're in the triangle. Everyone clap your hands and say, hallelujah. All right, so that's how we can see it. Hosea... Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. That's why it's color-coded. So you can see that even though they're separated by a certain amount of years, that's the order they are in the color-coded, and this is the white. So what, what order are these supposed to be in? Someone just say them out and, and, and run the aisle when you do it. No, you don't have to run the aisle. Just say, what's the first one? Nahum, Habakkuk. Zephaniah, everyone say that. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Everyone say it. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. So now we've gone Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. And then what's this one? Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. And then at the very end of the Old Testament, exactly. Now, are these in the proper order? Are they? We don't want a riot. We just want an answer. <laughs> Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So they're in the correct order. And so it is. Now let's say them all together. Here we go. Let's start where we had here. Hosea. Here we go. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All right, well, that's as much, folks, I'm trying to help you here. All right, the idea is, of course, that you've memorized it. And you know it's a great thing. We need to teach our children to memorize the Bible to, so they can use the Bible. Then, of course, we're going to be in a study here. I want you to have the books clear in your mind and have an idea of, about how they were when they were and who they were prophesying to. So we'll, we'll be coming back to that. So, oh, oh, you could read them right there. I wasn't even looking at that. So I gave you this as well. Here's the Bible order. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and then here they are in their historical context. Now, here's where some of you might need, I, I, I don't know if you can survive this. Lord, Lord, I need to pray for everyone in this room. I don't, want any, I don't want to lose anybody tonight in this Bible study. Now, this is not my own chart. I got this chart some time ago, and it, it's not the best chart ever was. I just want to look at it, okay? I don't want anybody to die or faint or need medical attention. If we need oxygen, we might could get that. But, I mean, other than just something simple like oxygen, I don't know what else we could do for you. All right? So let's go to the next slide. All right? Has anyone stopped breathing? Are you still breathing? Everybody say, praise the Lord. All right. Now, this is a timeline. Oops. Of the minor prophets. I don't like it, but it's about as good as it gets. Right? There are not tons of these that are usable in a setting, and we only need a second to look at it. Now, what we'll see is that the minor prophets are uh, on this with all of the other prophets and with all the other people associated historically with those prophets. For example, I'm going to look now, watch, 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 I'm going to come over here now. See right here? Let's look at this period of time that I preached about on Sunday night. I preached on Esther. Is Esther's name in this, in this deal here? Yes, she's right there. So even though they're Esther, see that line? Now, this is my problem. I don't know why they did it like they could have done it 
bad. But anyway, okay, so they put Esther here, and then they drew a line, and then they put Ezra there, and then they put Nehemiah. Esther, Nehemiah, and Ezra. Is that the biblical order in the Bible? No. Everybody say no. <laughs> now, what is the order? Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. That's the biblical order, all right? Now, and you'll see that what they've done here is they have placed Esther right here beside Ezra so that no matter what you do, Ezra, Nehemiah, really Esther historically fits right into the book of Ezra. And the explanation for that is beyond my lesson tonight. But the point is that we have three prophets that are prophesying during this time. Now, are there any prophets in the time of Ezra? Ezra's first is everybody still okay? We only need another second. We don't need but another second. If you can hold on for one more second, you will, you will live. All right? Here we go. So here's, uh, now, is Zechariah in that time period? No. See? See, I, that's why I'm pointing. I can barely hold it straight, but I'm doing it for the glory of God. There's Zach, Zechariah, and there's Ezra. Which one is first? Zechariah, he's outside of the period of Ezra. Just barely, but he's outside. So which one is inside? Is there a prophet inside? Where do I got to go to find them? All right, they're down here. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so yes, we. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, try to back out of this nicely. All right, so here's uh, Haggai. Not quite, but which one is clearly in that t time period? Is Malachi. Everybody say praise the Lord. And, and there are many other wonderful things in that chart, but I don't think you can live through it. All right. Now, let's uh, let's go now to several themes of the minor prophets. Now, um, you, as you know, and, and so now we're going to the next one. Uh, there are several uh, themes beyond the theme of being there being major things like lessons to learn, major lessons, major uh, people and so on. Uh, and, and this is the first set of themes that come out of the minor prophets. In other words, if you look out at the entire set of 12 prophets, the first theme beyond the fact that there's life lessons that are major things for us to learn, which is true, I'm, I'm just trying to explain why I'm moving past that, is the idea of, and this, by the way, is another uh, study of the minor prophets, and it's called the minor prophets revealing the what? The heart of God. Now, this is true. And, of course, I wouldn't put it up if it weren't true. I'm simply trying to show that there are various themes that you can uh, think about. We're going to read a couple of them here in just a moment. But uh, several themes. For example, this book, all right, that where I've taken this one is called, let's read it together, Exploring the Heart of God. So that's interesting. What these uh, these writers are suggesting is that the minor prophets are revealing to us the very heart of God. Well, I, I would think that uh, all the books of the Bible do this. So in a way, um, we have to be careful because um, we know that uh, every book of the Bible reveals something about the, the heart of God. But these writers mean that the minor prophets are revealing to us something about God's way of thinking and the way his heart and the inner workings of God are revealed to us, all right? And they're going to show up in this next one. So, and how many want to know the heart of God? How many are seeking after the heart of God? How many want to be like the Lord? In all that you're doing. That's that's our desire. We want to be like the Lord. We want to serve him. We want to do right. So when I'm not what I ought to be. Then my heart needs to be saying, Lord, my my heart's not right. I need to get right with God. For example, is bitterness a good thing? No, bitterness is not a good thing. Is arsenic a good thing? No, I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying. So no, bitterness is not a good thing. And, and if I have evil or I have uh, animosity, I'm using as fancy words as I can find here, uh, anything that is not right in my heart, I have to find a way to discover the heart of God. Now, the Minor Prophets are not the only book that teaches me that, but the Minor Prophets are showing me something 
And I'm trying to explain why these guys are, are determined that the books are talking about the heart of God is that they are revealing something about the heart of God that many Americans today do not believe in anymore. They don't believe God's heart works like that. So in that regard, I am in 100% agreement with the writers who say, well, the minor prophets are showing to a modern world what God is really like. Well, that, that, of course, is true. For example, in the little sidelight over here, it says, is righteousness or disobedience or sin okay with God? Would that be okay? How does he feel about the little guy? Does God keep his word and many, many other questions that you'd have to answer about the heart of God? Now, let's go to the next one here. Now, here are three other books that we're going to look at, and we're going to tie them together in terms of. Now, this is, um, for example, at the very top, the yellow book. I cut the authors out. I don't care. It's, I'm not trying to recommend books, and, and I didn't want all that. I just wanted the title. All right, so the, the very top book, if I told you the name of the top book, you'd know the person because they're very famous. But it's this book is... Uh, is entitled, Taking God Seriously. And then notice underneath, it does what we've been doing, major lessons from the minor prophets. See, that's a very clever little way to say it. And it's true, major lessons. But the, they claim that the, or their claim is, which is true, that the theme of all of the prophets put together is, and I'm going to rephrase it now, you need to take God seriously. Now, that is really what the other authors meant when they said that it's revealing the heart of God, that when God says something, he means it. He doesn't lie. He isn't uh, he isn't going to back down from the truth because that's the heart of God. Now, and, and then, of course, the second book will go down the stairs here, steps here. I mean, uh, it, the second one is called Judgment and Mercy. In other words, the heart of God is both a God of mercy and a God of judgment. Now, we're in a culture that doesn't believe that this is possible. See, they only want a God, because I would say every culture has been that way. They want only a God that lets them do exactly what they want to do. They want to go to heaven, and they want Jesus to die for them, but they don't want to live for him. They don't want to follow his commands. And they don't want to walk in his footsteps. They believe God is not going to care. They believe that love says you can do anything you want to do. See, that's the modern notion. But, of course, it's not true. God is both a God of mercy and of judgment. And I would say we are now looking directly into the face of the major themes of, of the minor prophets, that judgment is going to come. And, uh, and in fact, let's read. Uh, I'll read it if you'll follow along. Zephaniah. Everybody say Zephaniah. All right. We're going to read the very opening uh, few. And how many chapters does Zephaniah have? Is it nine? Someone just, I mean, that may not be correct. I'm trying to think. Uh, Brother French, are you... Uh, I need someone that has a Bible you can actually thumb. How many? Three. Zephaniah has three. And does Zechariah have 14? Just thumb. It's way almost to the end. 14. All right. So, so you can see that even though we're talking about a, a book of prophecy, a book with 14 chapters is going to be quite... Uh, take quite a bit longer than a book with just three chapters, right? So, so it is that Zephaniah is going to reveal the heart of God as a God of judgment, all right? And then we'll come back and look at it a little, a little deeper. But I'm going to read it here. This is King James. The great day of the Lord is near. This is Zephaniah. See, what I'd like to do, I, but I'm not teaching Zephaniah, so we'll do this when we get back to it. The great day of the Lord is near, is near, and hasteth greatly. So let's read that together. The great day of the Lord is near, is near, and hasteth greatly. That's a very interesting device. When, that's almost poetic. 
When you say the great day of the Lord is near, is near. See, that's a poetic device. Come on, come on, come on. That's a poetic device. Whenever you use any kind of a repeat, that's a poetic device. And so he is. He says the the great day of the Lord is near. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress. Now, we're living in a culture that doesn't even want very much like how many remember Jonah? How many th- believes Jonah was a minor prophet? Anybody think so? Anybody anybody think Jonah might have been a minor prophet? Okay, several. <laughs> okay, so Jonah was a minor prophet. He, uh, I would think, I, I mean, maybe I'm not thinking good, but Jonah may be the most well-known of the minor prophets. If there's a more well-known minor prophet, I cannot think of it. Uh, off the top of my head because everything about Jonah, his story, everything about it. And and how many remembers that uh, Jonah did not want to go and preach because his message that he believed they were going to kill him. Things don't change. And so it is that we're living in a day that doesn't want to hear. Now, thankfully, the, uh, the king of of Nineveh did repent and so on. That stories we won't have to spend a lot of time. What I'm going to do there is is uh, demonstrate the scientific validity of being able to be swallowed by a great fish. That I'm, that's what we're going to do. Although we will go through word by word in the Hebrew, uh, we won't spend a great deal of time with it. We'll just look at the major things. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, and I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men and because they have sinned against the Lord. Now, this may be the most famous line in the book of Zephaniah. I'm quite sure it is. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. Can you say amen? So if I if if I were just guessing, I would say that sounds like judgment. And that, of course, is describing what I believe is about to come up on the earth now. In fact, I believe that Zephaniah is describing the day that is going to come up on the earth when the church is raptured. Millions will be taken away and what God begins to do upon the earth will be an unbelievable time. And let me tell you, my friends, we need to be preaching the gospel, getting our loved ones saved because Jesus is coming again. It is near. It is near. And that is what Zephaniah was saying. And what a, what a tremendous thing. So, so we will study Zephaniah. Now, let's go to Habakkuk. Now, that brings up our attention to the third uh, study of the prophets, minor prophets. And it is entitled, what is it? The third one? Revival. The message of the minor prophets. Now, I find this interesting because it is actually true. But yet you will have to spend if you uh, I, maybe I can't I was going to say hen's teeth. Is hen's teeth OK to say hen's teeth? <coughs> I don't want to be making fun of hens. But anyway, so hen's teeth are very hard to find. Right. Sister French, have you ever found a hen's, hen's tooth? OK, so uh, the, it's, it's like re- people using the word revival to describe the minor prophets. But actually, it's true, because whenever you are preaching judgment, You are also preaching mercy and repentance. And so what is Jonah about? It is not about destruction because destruction never came to Nineveh. It is about revival. The whole nation turned to God. The whole city turned to God, I meant to say. And so revival. And there are many others. Now Habakkuk says, uh, here's the perhaps the most famous, one, two of the most famous expressions. And there's several in Habakkuk. Well, the most famous in Habakkuk is the just shall live by faith. But but let's read uh, perhaps the the next two most well-known expressions from the book of Habakkuk. Everyone say Habakkuk. All right. Now, I do know that it's permissible to say Habakkuk. And many people do that. I'm not saying uh, I'm going to be pronouncing words as close to the Hebrew as I can so, so don't worry about it. 
but Habakkuk uh, is uh, a very powerful book, and it is filled with the discussion of revival. Now, let's read verse a little bit of verse 2. O Lord, revive thy works. Everybody say that. Revive thy works. Let's pray that right now. Lord, revive thy works. Hallelujah. Praise God. Does anybody believe that the book of Acts can happen again right here in Jonesboro? Does anybody believe your neighbors can receive the Holy Ghost? He can revive the works that he did in the midst of the years. In wrath, remember mercy. And so it is. So this is a, a very important aspect of the minor part. Let's go to the next one because I need to hurry. All right. Now, we've got two here, and this is uh, showing that uh, one of the themes of the minor prophets is the importance of listening to God. All right. Now, how many can hear the air blowing right now? Okay. And how many can hear... Uh, are you ready? Well, I don't want to ruin this. Um, <laughs> This is my favorite. <laughs> Lord, I, I would do it for you, Lord. I would drop this, but um, is it okay if I use something else? Okay, thank you. Um, now, this side has this, and I love this one too. It's just larger. Uh, this side has a very special tip, all right? I want to see if you hear it. Not the after noise. See, I, I can't wake some people up no matter what I do. All right, here we go. I want to see if you hear this. Not when it falls. <laughs> but do you hear the first noise? Are you ready? Because if you hear this, then I can make my point. If you don't hear it, I'm leaving. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, here we go. See if we can hear it. Could you hear it? Oh, my goodness. You heard both bounces, but did you hear the first bounce? Okay, let's try it again. I don't believe you. No, I, I do. I believe you. I'm just kidding. I do believe you. Um, I think you could hear it. It's much louder than I thought it was going to be. That's a rubber tip on there. So I'm surprised we can hear that. Why can we hear that? Is it my mic picking that up? It's got to be. This auditorium, I could. Um, can you hear me now? Huh. All right. All right, here we go. We're going to try it again. Did you hear that first? My goodness. Well, what I find interesting is that we can hear all kinds of things. You could hear the sound of the rubber tip of a pointer clear in an auditorium. And I know it was partially mic because I'm holding a mic, but you could hear the, the sound and yet... There are people that can hear that. They can hear, you ever heard the expression, a pin drop? Have you heard that expression? I don't have a, well, that's a pin, but I mean, I mean a real pin. Uh, <clears throat> the idea is that there are people that can hear a pin. I don't know where that expression came from. You can hear a pin drop, okay? And you could hear the noise of a pin dropping. I don't know if you can or not. I've never tried it. But. It amazes me the people that can hear everything in the world. I notice these young people, and, and they are, uh, what, what are, uh, what are the, the headsets? Is that what we call it? And so they've got the, this little phone or whatever, and then they got the headsets or iPod or whatever it's called. And, and they're just, you know, they're just... I mean, mesmerized with the sounds of everything the world's doing and saying. They can repeat words to songs of famous singers that I didn't even know you could hear the words. And, but behind there, somebody's saying something. And you ask a young person, what are they saying? Oh, here it is. They can hear every word. But they can't hear the voice of God. They can't hear it. They can't hear the voice of God. 
America needs to wake up. Yeah, America needs to wake up. I believe, I want to say this, and I, I know I've got to hurry, but I believe revival could sweep America. I believe that. Someone said, it's so horrible that we're rotten to the core. Yes, we're rotten to the core. But revival could sweep America and change millions of lives. I don't know what it will take, but revival could sweep this nation. But we would have to listen to the voice of God. That's why the devil's trying so hard to close his voice down so we can't hear it. Okay, so, so it is. We need to hear the voice of God. So you see these other titles which are related in some way. I'm not going to spend time with them. Now, the next one, of course, is uh, the the book entitled Messiah and the Minor Prophets. And, of course, each of the minor prophets are rich in, uh, in doctrine. <clears throat> For example, Micah 2 says, Thou, Bethlehem, out of thee shall he come forth. And, of course, I've cut the rest out. So, in other words, what is the prophecy? What are we just told there? That the Jesus is going to be born where? In the city of Bethlehem. And where was Jesus born? In the city of Bethlehem. It was prophesied. Then he goes on to say, whose goings forth have been from old and for, from everlasting. So who is the Messiah? He's God himself. It's God himself. So we don't have to just go to Emmanuel. God is with us. We can go to Micah chapter 2. All right, now let's go to the next one. Now, so then we come back to the themes. Uh, we're going to do this very quickly. So we have Hosea, and the theme is what? The faithfulness of God. Here we go. Joel, what's the theme? The day of the Lord is judgment day. Amos, what is the theme? Listening reverently to God's word. If you listen to his word, even if you don't grasp it, Obadiah, what is the theme of Obadiah? Thine is the kingdom. What is the theme of Jonah? God's kindness. What's the theme of Micah? What the Lord requires. This is a vital, these are vital messages. And let's keep going. Nahum, what's the theme of Nahum? Okay, maybe, maybe it's hard to keep up with it. All right, so what's the theme of Nahum? An angry God. God gets angry. And, and what am I hearing theologians all across America saying? Oh, the idea that, uh, that God is angry with anybody. Well, God, uh, God can't be angry. He doesn't have emotion. And you go, I didn't know you knew God so well that he doesn't know emotion. Do you ever get angry? Oh, yes, all the time. Well, why, why don't you think God could get angry? Oh, well, anger is just not. Well, no, no theology could be based on anger. They don't believe that Jesus, I heard a theologian the other day saying that when Jesus shedding his blood because God was angry at sinners is a horrible, it's the most horrible thing you'd ever heard of. I said, it's not horrible to you that kids are being killed on the street and their blood is running onto the sidewalk. That's not horrible to you. But if God sent his son and he said, that's the most horrible thing you ever heard, that Jesus died on the cross. And he's a theologian. Got a PhD, a member of a Church, if I told you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You wouldn't know the man, but you'd know the church. Yes, God gets angry. Habakkuk, what's the theme? God's ways are not our ways. Zephaniah, what's the theme? God's toughness and his tenderness. So there you have the theme we just talked about, mercy and judgment. Haggai, what is the theme? Fear God and nothing else. Zechariah, what's the theme? The God who makes things happen in Malachi, the God who doesn't change. Okay, let's go to the next one. And now we come into the book of, of uh, Hosea. Everybody say Hosea. Now, I'm only going to take a few more minutes, and I wanted to get this far because I want to go through the Hebrew text of each of the books. I don't mean every single word. I mean go through the Hebrew text of the book of Hebrews. I mean the book of Hosea, each of the books, and find those uh, marvelous tidbits of truth that give us guidance in our walk with God, just like they gave guidance to the people that heard them uh, thousands of years ago. Now, the theme of Hosea, of course, is uh, God's love. And so there's several ways that people 
think of Hosea and the story of love. He married uh, a girl by the name of Gomer and had three children. And so we're going to study uh, Hosea and Gomer and the relationship of, of God to Israel, because that's exactly what uh, was going on. The prophet was saying, as the voice piece of God, God was saying that Israel is adulterous. Israel is adulterous, and therefore, uh, this is why we've got all this problem going on, and that's why Israel's in trouble. But the way of looking at that love is expressed in various ways. So I've written it down, every title of each book, and the way they look at that love. Now, the book that we're looking at with the picture of Hosea in a red robe, that's, that's the book that is the backdrop of this slide. The subheading or the subtitle of the book is, and we're only going to be a few more minutes, so please, it's, we're almost there. The book of Hosea, a tragic but hopeful love story. So I do believe that. I do believe that the story of Hosea and Gomer is tragic and it is hopeful. So that speaks to us. And some of you know people that are uh, need to be recipients of the love of God. Maybe they are so intelligent that they don't think they need to listen to the Bible. Maybe they think they're so uh, cool. Or maybe they don't want to be the kind of person the Bible requires because they love being whatever else they are. You know, really cool people, you know, they got their, they got their gun in their, uh, in their pocket and, then, and they're uh, carrying on and, and, you know, cursing every breath and whatever it is they're doing that makes them feel that if, if I were to turn to God, I could no longer uh, blow someone's brains out or I could no longer be doing the things that I'm doing. And so they reject it. But there's one thing that can pierce the heart of every individual, and it's not a loud voice, it's not intelligence, but it's the love of God. The love of God is, and let's look at it, God's love is amazing. It's unbroken. I'm reading titles of other books on Hosea. That's why these words are here. It is unconditional. Can everyone say unconditional? And see, that's important in Hosea because God said, even if Israel turns her back on me, I still have a future plan. Now, when they turn their back on God, guess what happened? They backslid. They went into captivity. But when they repented, what did God do? He brought them back. Why? Because God had a plan. In the very end, he was going to bring the Messiah. And then the Messiah was going to bring hope. And then hope was going to bring the world to a brand, new, a brand new place. So in other words, it is unconditional. Everyone say unconditional. That no matter what, no matter what God is going to have in Israel in the very last days, that's going to turn to God. Does anybody believe the prophecies of the Bible? And so it is. It's unconditional. It's faithful though foolish in the world's eyes. I was listening to a commentator just this week saying how much they despised Israel. Despised Israel. It's a love worth fighting for. It's a love that won't let go. I'm almost at the end there. So it's a love that won't let go, a love that never fails, and a love that suffers for another. All right, let's, let's stand together. We're going to, here we go, we're almost there. We're going to read a couple scriptures standing, and we're going we're gonna to pray. All right, so go, uh, go to the next one. Uh, there, yeah, stay there just for a moment. All right, these are other titles of Hosea, and when we come back, we'll see uh, in the study of Hosea, why these are interesting. The first one is called People Who Forget God. That's the blue one at the beginning. And then this, the yellow one is the heart of God for a wayward people. And then below that, let me do this. So then we have a wise and discerning heart. 
This is where we get this earlier discussion. And this one we've already really talked about. But then this one is, uh, is very, very interesting. You won't see this often, but it's one fellow entitled his book, Hosea, The Holiness and Heart of God. Did you know that the reason that God, I, I'm going to say th this way. I'm going to say it very humanly, all right? The reason that God cannot lie, the reason that truth, I mean, I'm saying it in a very human way, that truth can never be altered is because of God's holiness. He can never change. He can never be one thing and then something else another time. He will always be the mighty God. So the heart of God will always be the same. And his word will always be true. Doesn't matter how small. I don't care how many inventions. You can learn to fly uh, and to the moon and back in one afternoon. That's not going to change God. Someone said, well, we found dinosaur bones in the earth. That doesn't change God. Well, we now we have all these super abilities. Well, what is so super about them? That makes you think now you could say there's no God. I want to tell you there's a mighty God, and he is a holy and an awesome and a great God. Praise God. Hosea 14 and 9, I'm going to read it. it, it here we go. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. Let's read Hosea. Can we read it? Are you able to see it? I'm, I hope it's big enough. Hosea 4 and 6, the middle scripture. Here we go. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Now, let's read one of hope, and that's Hosea 10 and 12, and we'll, we'll have a word of prayer. Let's read it together. Now, this is, a, I, I, this is not the King James. It's very close. It doesn't matter which one it is. But let's read it together. Here we go. It is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness on you. Praise God. And it is time. Let's seek the Lord together, shall we? Father, I thank you because of the great prophets of old and how they speak to our heart. I ask tonight, Lord, that you will revive our spirits, help us to find hope in the word of God. And, Lord, let truth be known. Lord, we know we're, we're nowhere near perfect, but we're hungering for you. We long for your presence. We want to seek your face, Lord, that the rain of righteousness may come upon us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let the glory of God be upon us, we pray, each and every one. Some are facing battles. Lord, they don't know how they're going to fight them. But you, Lord, are great and mighty and are able to be there, Lord, in battle on our behalf. And we thank you for it. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. That wasn't so bad. Now turn to your neighbor, shake hands, greet one another, and shake hands. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you tonight. We love you.